Welcome to season three of the Surrender Podcast. I'm Craig Petty. And I'm Charlene Bella Santos. Together, we're the directors of Surrender, a collective of people and organizations carrying a message to motivate, support, and equip us to live out the radical call of Jesus amongst the margins. In this podcast, we're providing a platform for conversation and storytelling, as we hear from some friends who embody this message. While we might not always agree with everything we hear from one another, what we desperately want to do is create a space to listen and to learn and to find Jesus in the center of it all. In episode three, we have a conversation hosted by Joanne Shan and Ash Rosevier at the Surrender Mini Festival earlier this year. We hear from Stevie Wills, Community Education Officer with CBM Australia, the Selvo's Major Brendan Noddle, and Wiradjuri man, artist and Anglican priest, Glenn Lowry. Here it is. Stevie, so good to have you with us. Stevie, I'll just introduce for those who don't know her yet. She engages audiences with the cycle of poverty and disability and with the disability inclusion in churches. Stevie has travelled with CBM to South Africa and Zambia and has a diploma in counselling studies. Stevie, how do you listen to the heartbeat of God? Oh, yeah, prayer. And like quiet prayer where you're not saying anything but just speaking still and abiding with with God. Yeah. I I think that it's COVID really gave all of us that a bit more time that to to sit still and, and abide with God. Mm. Yeah. Oh Ash, would you like to introduce yeah, Brendan. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, Major Brendan Noddle is the commanding officer of the Salvation Army. He's dedicated his life for over two decades to working with the most vulnerable members, members of society. Uh, leading the uh, Selvos Melbourne Project 614, he works with a team of a thousand volunteers to help people who are homeless or suffering from mental health issues, addiction or social poverty. Brendan, how do you listen to the heartbeat of God? Uh, I, I think it's in two ways. I think through solitude, that's really important for me because I think life is pretty unpredictable and pretty full on. Uh, and I, I love the beach, so I just love going down to Williamstown Beach in the middle of the night. Um, nice. <laughs> and, and just uh, really getting passionate with God. Um, but when that happens, I, uh, God turns up in remarkable ways. So it was a little while ago I was down there and uh, praying and, and I'm thinking, well, this is full on. Like God was speaking, I'm thinking, this is a great night. I went for a wander and I, I found what looked like a dead body uh, about three metres from the steps of Williamstown Life Saving Club. And it turned out it was a dead body. Uh, it was a young man uh, who drowned right on the very doorstep of the Williamstown Life Saving Club. And I remember for the next few nights, I was really wrestling with God about, what are you trying to say here? And for me, it was about God um, really wanting to speak to me personally about when people come to you in need, are you open? Are you actually available? Uh, Because this life-saving club, and it's absolutely no put-down of them at all, but they were incredibly resourced, uh, but they were closed when this person was in deepest need. And when people come to us, do they actually, uh, are we interested in them or are we caught up in our own internal issues um, and are we equipped to meet their need? 
So I think solitude, God speaks to me powerfully in those times of solitude, but community is another way that God speaks to me as well. And it's remarkable the number of times where people who, you know, community would regard or society would regard as refuse, human refuse, are actually used powerfully and profoundly by God to speak to me. It happens constantly throughout the day and night. Mm. That's amazing. Thanks, Brendan. I'll introduce our other guest, Reverend Glenn Lockery. Glenn uh, is a Wiradjuri man and Anglican priest at St. Oswald's, Glen Iris. He's an artist who explores his identity and story. He's engaged in the dialogue for treaty, sovereignty and self-determination for Aboriginal people. Glenn, how do you listen to the heartbeat of God? Ash, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, just so you know a little bit about me, I'm a Wiradjuri embedded at birth. Indigenous of the universe, Australian for the purposes of management and control, and Christian because I didn't have any other choice, because it wasn't available for me to be Aboriginal, and it wasn't available for me to have my Aboriginal culture. So when I found myself having a communication or a relationship or connection to my cousins, my kin in the, bu- in the bush, all the animals, the birds, the trees, the, everything that gives me life, I had nowhere to put it but the Christian church. So I am now uh, a a black priest in the whitest suburb in Melbourne and trying to find ways to become... And I'm working because this is how the ancestors work. They work you through a process and they bring you out the other end and I'm probably more Aboriginal than Christian. That's important for what I'm about to say now because I hear the heartbeat of country. I hear the heartbeat of my mother, I hear the heartbeat of my cousins, and I do that by walking my country and listening. I do that by looking at what is happening to our people. I'm wearing a black piece of cloth today because we've had three deaths in custody in this last week. Brings to over 440 since the Royal Commission in 91. That's how I listen to the heartbeat of my country and I respond to that. I'm not sure whether that's the voice of God because we don't have God as Aboriginal people. We have our ancestors. We are geophysical people, not theophysical people. But it is where I hear what is vitally important. The people that Brendan's talking about. The people that are struggling for their identity and their place in this world, that comes through that place, being in touch with country and listening. Thanks, Glenn. I think, thank you for sharing. All all of you have stories that we can learn from it, and that's why we like to have this time of this, this, to sort of, for you guys to see these leaders and how they're processing their own stories and struggles and identities and then dreaming a, a new way and, and an, an alternative. And I think um, I've heard bits of it in what you've already shared today, but Stevie, I, I had another question as well for you and for, and for the panel. What are some issues that were highlighted over COVID that you would like to see the wider church addressing? So something really specific would you like to share some of those issues? 
people with disabilities have had differing experiences through COVID for me because I don't have a lot of energy. I found things became a lot more accessible. Um, church was on my um, work and socialising was at home. So I found things to be less tiring and I have more energy for my poetry and stuff and having my computer with me when I was working was quite helpful in meetings for my desk. But um, many people with disabilities during lockdown, during restrictions, the support and the services that they depended on were not there or were back. And many people face difficulties with getting food and medication and things like that by themselves. Um, so without the support, they usually they face more disadvantage. Yeah, and I think even like what Brendan's space as well, you would have seen that as well for the community that you're working with, a lot of stuff that's usually in place had closed and you're kind of like, well, who's, who's there? Yeah. yeah. Do you want to share as well a bit about, yeah, what came up for communities for you, that you were working with? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there were probably three really key things that stood out for me, really similar to you as well. I, Stevie, I think... Uh, one was around just this deeply embedded issue of social isolation, social poverty uh, and loneliness. So we run a cafe for people that are vulnerable in the city and I'll never forget a couple of stories during COVID where people just appeared absolutely devastated and they were saying, I'm not worried about getting sick. I'm actually not worried about dying from COVID. What I'm really worried about is being locked in my room and having no contact with anyone for the duration of COVID. Uh, so that social isolation is something that the, the church can absolutely address if we lift up our eyes and start to say, we really want to engage with people in a really genuine way. And it doesn't have to be complicated to address that one. I think the other issue for me that came up during COVID was it is so easy and so comfortable to engage in a transactional uh, model of so-called care where someone comes in and we give them a bag of food or we give them a ticket, send them on their way to some accommodation, and that's the end uh, of the engagement. So it's doing things to or doing things for people. But I think if we look at the way of Jesus, it was about doing life with. That, that was his emphasis all the time. And I think uh, what we need to be about is a relationship-first model of care, not, not a transactional model of care, but a relationship-first model of care is really costly. Uh, but... If we're going to be serious about transformation, that's the sort of model that we need to engage in. And I think thirdly, 
uh, what we need to do is be a people that look beyond. So it's easy to see a rough sleeper. And what we, what we saw happen in Victoria was the government stepped up and they actually provided hotel accommodation for people that were rough sleeping. That was a great outcome. But there were 30 to 40 people that remained on the streets of the city, even though they were offered hotel accommodation. And a lot of agencies would look at those people and say, we've offered them uh, somewhere to stay in a hotel. They've said no, so we'll move on to somebody else, because obviously they've made a choice. But when you actually sit down and go beyond that transactional model of care and engage around relationship, we heard story after story where people were saying, actually, homelessness is not my primary issue. That's a byproduct of something deeper that's going on. For me, it's about mental health. For me, it's about addictions. For me, it's about trauma. And, uh, you know, when we see a homeless person, we assume all they need is a house. But they often need something much more deep than that. And we only hear about those things and we can only bring about significant transformation when we're prepared to get out of our comfort zone and engage. Yeah, well said. Glenn, uh, do you want to round up our time for us? What, what are some things that you would love the wider church to uh, embrace and things possible learnt through COVID? I think the thing that I want churches to understand is that Aboriginal people have the most sophisticated and nuanced spiritual language system in the world and it was here 140,000 years before Jesus arrived on a boat from England <laughs> and that the model that we try and impose upon our people we have been doing conversion forced conversion therapy for 250 years give them Jesus and they'll be okay um, I want churches to change their approach to us don't invite us along to your event as the person to do the acknowledgement of country without understanding that we're also faith-based people who have much to offer you. And by the way, when you do the acknowledgement of country and the welcome to country, remember they're legally binding contracts that you've just entered into. They are legally binding contracts. They're not just nice things we do with a bit of smoke and a digi. What we're saying is I'm coming onto your land and I'm going to abide by all of your rules, all of your law, all of your practices. And you will say, and we'll look after you while here. Everything you want is yours. If you see it, you need it, you take it. That's fine. Everything from the top of the trees to the bottom of the ground, that's yours. Don't come in here and destroy anything or we'll get rid of you real quick. We'll deal with you by law. But... We have to start to understand that we, as the church, should begin to read our scriptures through an Aboriginal set of eyes, and that is post-colonial, and we have to understand we don't need Jesus to save us. We need, and Jesus does this really well, because he never said to anybody when he spoke to them, now, this is what I want to do for you. He used to say, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond to you? Mm. And I reckon he'd have a great, great time sitting around a yarning circle, chewing on a bit of kangaroo, having a yarn, having a yarn with Aboriginal people. Will the church please begin to do that? Will you begin to yarn with us? And when we say something, don't ask the white bloke down the road whether what I just said was right or wrong. 
<laughs> happens all the time. You know, the white bloke down the road, he went to Northern Territory in 1938 and met a real Aboriginal. You know? Because you're not a real Aboriginal. Because you live in the city. And you're a bit pale. Hey, I'm the real deal. Yarn with us. Talk with us. Listen to us when we say, don't build your house there, it's going to be washed away by waters. Because we jolly well know. Listen to us. We are real. And we want to walk with you. We'd like to save you. But sometimes it's just impossible to help you. You don't listen. So... I don't think I can say anything. I could say a lot more because you wound me up, but that's fine. <laughs> no, I hope you do. So I hope you do say a lot more and I, and I hope we do listen. Like I, I feel like, you know, we're not out of talk right now. You know, I don't know if anyone else is feeling that. We've, we're in a conversation and this whole day is, is that, but it's not a day thing. It's, it's, it's from now and on and, and hopefully that we continue listening not only in our, the events that we attend or, or the, the marches that we go to, but actually in how we live our daily lives, what we spend our skills and, and talents and um, gifts on, how we use those. So thank you for could, each of you. Could I respond to the second part oh, of please, the yeah. question? I thought we were too difficult. Uh, I concluded them into one. You tricked me. I tricked Stevie and added the two questions into one. The last two, but go ahead. Sir, thank you. Um, how can we just respond? Well, I've always said that to disconnect. We members of a community with disabilities and their families. How are we including you? Is there any area where you're not included? And how can we remove those barriers to inclusion? Now, now that we've been through COVID, we know that we can change how we do church. We know we can be flexible to the needs of others. So, asking that question of are we inclusive? How can we include We don't know that we can adapt to the needs of people. Yeah. Absolutely, we can adapt. Thank you. Thank you, Stevie. Mm. We'll, we'll have to wrap up there, but I'm glad we got that because what Stevie, I, I hear, also is that we're not 
doing it alone. No one in here is expected to come up with the solution to Australia's race relation issues on their own. We need help. We need each other. We need Stevie to look at this room and say, oh, look, this area is not going to work because it's going to exclude certain people. So use, use each other, rely on each other, and that's, what we're gonna, that's how we're going to give this a go. What do you reckon? <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'll give them a round of applause. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. These are conversations worth listening to and wrestling out. What did you notice? How will you take action? Surrender partners with dozens of organisations and initiatives. Find them and take action at surrender.org.au.